I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And this is Strange Indeed, a podcast dedicated to the show Black Mirror. Today we'll be covering the third episode of Black Mirror Season 4 titled Crocodile. Crocodile. So mm. I, I'm, I'm real anxious to talk about this one. This one was pretty heavy, Sean. What do you think? What's uh, your just general thoughts? I wasn't a big fan of this episode. Of the episodes I've seen of Black Mirror, this was probably one of my least favorites. Mm-hmm. But it I, had, had some interesting things in it, for sure. Definitely some interesting things. I probably have to agree with you, but let's just jump into it. Maybe we'll change our own minds. Doesn't, Maybe, that, yeah. <laughs> doesn't that sometimes happen when you don't have all the good feelings about a show and then you listen to a podcast and you're like, oh, maybe that wasn't so bad after all. Like, <laughs> oh, I get it. Crocodile because there was a crocodile in the sewer. There ah! wasn't. But. <laughs> <laughs> right. Maybe we'll, ju- maybe we'll change our minds. So what do you say we go ahead and jump into our top five for this episode? And why don't you go ahead and kick us off? All right. So my number five, I start out with just basically all the bad decisions that happen in this episode. So you have a, you know, you open up with like a club scene and, and I, I've been doing really good about whenever I watch any of these, these, uh, I almost said Game of Thrones. I don't know why. (laughs) I'm just excited for it. Whenever I watch any of these Black Mirror episodes, I try not to see like, I've avoided a lot of the trailers I've avoided and they don't even really tell you much. I've avoided any description of the show. So when you see this kick on, like, I have no clue really what it's even about. So I'm playing catch up through the whole episode. Mm-hmm. And so it's called Crocodile. So I'm like, okay, well, what's this about? And you see this club scene. So I'm like, huh, maybe it's maybe it's like some kind of drug, like a new crocodile. Like the drug's called Crocodile. Uh-huh. And you see a couple driving and, you know, the first bad decision right off the bat, they hit somebody because they're not paying attention to the road. You know, they're they're singing, they're acting goofy and bam, they hit a biker. Oh, yeah. Right out of nowhere. You don't even see the guy until he hits the windshield. Yeah. And most people and like I'm thinking like, uh, I know what you did last summer. I'm like, oh, you need to call the cops. <laughs> like this dude's going to come <laughs> back with a hook and like chase you around that, you know, pageant show that you're going to be in. Mm-hmm. Rest in peace, Sarah Michelle Geller. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but I mean, first bad decision, decision, the dude's like, oh my gosh, like we have to dump this body, you know? Cause you know, I'm drunk or he seemed like he was still under the influence. He's like, I go to jail yeah. for this. Yeah. I think they were totally still buzzing. Whatever they were doing, uh, they were either still drunk, still high, maybe both. Yeah. I, I think in a lot of other countries, like they're, they're not as harsh on getting pulled over drunk driving, 
but they are extremely more harsh when it comes to like any kind of accident or like if you kill somebody, it's basically like murder. Mm-hmm. So that dude, like, you know, this is, this seems like this was happening in a foreign country and this dude was in like, listen, like this is like felony, like bad jail. That's where they're going to send me. So bad decision number one, right? Like, you know, we're going <laughs> to, we're going to hide, we're going to, you know, act like this isn't a big deal. Yeah. Because one, the dude was wearing like a legit biking outfit. I mean, if he was like rolling in like a really crappy bike and had like a rugged like hoodie and like looked like a kind of a not a well-to-do person, mm-hmm. you know, maybe it's like a homeless guy. You could get away with it. But like this dude had like legit biker gear on. Like somebody's going to miss this dude. You know, he's, yeah. he's high up on some food chain somewhere. Definitely. But they tossed him to the side. Bad decision number one. We flash forward a few years later and, uh, you know, our guy, uh, what was his name? Was it Anon? No, it was her husband. Oh, the the guy that was with her when they hit the bike biker yeah. guy, Rob. Rob, okay. So Rob decides to show up some odd years later and her haircut, okay, bad decision number two, her haircut. <laughs> Did not like, like it. No. That <laughs> threw me off for probably a good like ten minutes. Oh, I'm no. like, okay, so we car accident. Now we flash to the, the these people. Who the hell are these people? Why is Rob with this girl? What's going on here? Yeah. And so bad haircut number two. And so she ends up killing Rob, right? And this like, you know, he's like, I can't live with this. I'm going to send her a letter, let her know where the body is. Like they can't track us to, to it. You know, we'll, we'll still be fine. And now she has like a family and all this. So Mia's like, no, like I can't do this. And she kills Rob. I don't know if it was an accident or purpose, but she kills Rob. Mm-hmm. Mistake number three, bad decision number three. Don't kill Rob. And instead of like instantly, I'm thinking, I'm like, okay, you know, this guy comes into your hotel, you have a history, like you can make up a legit story and probably get away with it. Like, oh my god, he broke into my thing and tried to hurt me, and you get off scot free probably. Mm-hmm. Of course, we learned in this episode there's technology that would kind of defu- defuse that or debunk that, but. She decides to toss his body into like this thing under one of her buildings and, you know, hide the body. But this just goes like she continually goes down this incredibly wrong trail of like misfortunate events of like just if she just stopped for a second, she might have like ended up in a little bit of a better situation. Because even with the, the whole situation with Rob coming over, like even if he did tell it, yeah, she'd probably be held liable somehow. But as we see at the end of the episode, she wouldn't be probably serving life sentence at, you know, Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. But I, I guess, um, I don't know if you have anything to add into to the bad decision idea. Well, I have to agree with, you know, a lot of what you said. There was just a lot. It was just this really uh, domino effect. One thing led to another. And, you know, yeah, she thought she had this break from it. Um you know, from what happened and was able to move, you know, maybe somehow life, you know, life moves on and she was able to deal with it and bury it. And then it gets all bubbled back up to the surface. And then, you know, she's got to go make more bad decisions. I think the difference is, is that she, while she's not completely free of the responsibility of her decision, when they hit the the biker guy on the road and disposed of him you know i think she was easily influenced and scared and allowed rob to just be like you know no we can't we can't turn this in this this would be bad all around um you know i'm i'm a little bit more forgiving of her in that position than what i was later on oh, as yeah, she was making sure. these bad decisions <clears throat> um i think i understand the place where she's at but i don't think 
you know, she's as easily forgivable um, for it. So I, I agree with a lot of what you said for sure. And a lot of bad decisions made in this episode. Oh yeah. Well, even we get like, we get a, you know, a nice dentist looking dude and he's like, yeah, I was taking some pictures of some guy naked in the shower. You leave that out of your report. I know. All kinds of things happening. Some very revealing things um, that came out of this episode. Some, you know, I just, and I know we'll take a deeper dive into that. We're just at the top of, of getting into this, you know, episode. So I'm sure we'll dive deeper. But I think those were all really good thoughts and a really good number five. So for my number five, uh, it's it's not quite melding into what you said it's a little bit off just a little but um what really struck me a lot for this episode and really it's kind of uh for all black mirror episodes i know uh that you're catching up on the rest of the series uh one through three as we're also diving into season four um so you'll probably notice this as well and with a lot of shows but black mirror especially um the music for me is my number five okay and, in this episode, um, they pl- like during the beginning of the episode when they're at the club and then when they're also in the car after the club, uh, as they're kind of, you know, chatting and laughing, it looks like they're still smoking something up. And, uh, right before they hit the biker guy, uh, there's a song playing called strange machine. And I knew whenever, yeah, I, I recognized it instantly. And that's what I love about, um, shows like black mirror. There are other shows that do it that, that, just really know how to insert music really well and use really good music. Um, I recognized it because I used to watch a show um, on FX called Nip Tuck. Do you ever watch that show or heard of uh, it? My mom watched it a little bit. I never really got into it because it was like just a little bit too mature when I was that age, maybe like when it first came out. Mm-hmm. Sean, you're just saying all the wrong things right now. You're you're. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I'm sure you were mature. Are you, well, are girls mature me? faster than guys, so. Like, I mean, I was like 12 and you were maybe back, like 15 or 16 at back, most. Backpedal, backpedal. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I know I'm older than you. It's okay. But if you start <laughs> saying I'm like age of your mom, we might have a problem here. <laughs> so I'm not old enough to have you as a child <laughs> yet. Anyway, I'm sorry. I just got to give you a hard time because you know I'm sensitive about my age. Um <laughs> But anyway, yeah, it was like, I didn't look it up, but I remember it being on air and it was so, so good. If anybody's watched Nip Tuck, really, really great show by Ryan Murphy. I think we all know who Ryan Murphy is. He wasn't, I think he was fairly well known for Nip Tuck, but I don't think he was, um, had the same, uh, um, maybe status that he has now, uh, that he's grown with all of his shows like American Horror Story, had Glee and other shows. I um, mean, he's, he's fantastic. I think he's great. But anyway, uh, Nip Tuck was also a, a, a show that really used music really well and they used this song. And that's what I really like about, uh, Black Mirror. And also I think what kind of equates to this episode as well, how they use music, uh, to trigger memories. Oh and yeah. yeah. You know, I think that's what's super cool because that's, you know, that's what this was for me. I heard that song. I was like, gosh, where have I heard that song before? And it, it took me a second. And I realized I could relate it back to Nip Tuck. I love that show so much. I could just watch it on repeat over and over, um, except for maybe that last season. Um, but it was, it was like really great. And I really like that other song that they played over and over again that anyone who knows what love is by mm-hmm. Irma Thomas. Um, this song it's it's a lovely lovely song if you listen to it i thought it was really great but it's used in multiple episodes too of black mirror not just this one 
Um, but it's used in lots of other episodes. So I just think it's really clever how they take music and, and use it, uh, in the show. I think it's, it's always really appropriate. I think it strikes a chord. I think it, it really sets the tone for the scene and what's happening in that moment. And I really like how it also is used in this episode to trigger the memories for them to, uh, recall, you know, like when they're talking about the accident and what happened, uh, that they're using it in that way. So that for me was, um, my number five. Yeah, I really dig that. And it doesn't really, um, it doesn't hurt like to, to know that that song played in this episode. If this is the only one you saw, <clears throat> um, the, what is, if you know what love is kind of the song, but mm-hmm. yeah, it's just cool that like, it just plays a little part in each episode. Like it's just, it's just there, like it exists in the same universe. And, um, I think black mirror is the first time I ever heard that song. So hearing it there, it's like, Oh, that that's familiar to this universe, which is kind of cool. Yeah. Super cool. How they kind of <clears throat> make it all singular part of, of, like you said, this universe. So that's my number five. Cool. So for my number four, it's essentially that nothing is private with this machine and with this uh, insurance company thing. So this lady has this ability to go and see people's minds and it seems like people can kind of alter their, their memories a little bit. Like if you think really hard, you can kind of tweak it because Mia at this point, she was, when she ends up getting caught to an extent, she's trying to talk herself into like, Hey, you just you're in the hotel. You're watching porn. That's what you're doing, mm-hmm. trying to kind of like trick herself into thinking a different way. But I mean, in this like something can happen, and through different people, they could really end up seeing what you were doing, like capture you in a way, or not really just capture, but you know, kind of figure out what you were doing based off what people around you had happened. Um, you know, like there was the beer thing where she, you know, like you talked about the music. The beer was a way to get that sense going, and you know, just to have this universe exists where by just putting a little thing on your noggin and recording it, you can see through the eyes of somebody else and you know, you have no private life. You can, she could have went to everybody in that hotel and essentially recreated your day based off of what happened. Yep. And the fact too, that because when she stops by Mia's place, she's like, Hey, you know, I, you know, I found that you were here. I think you might've saw something. Listen, don't worry. Anything I see is private. I'm just looking for the specific thing. And she's like, oh, well, I can just tell you. And Mia's like, well, our, uh, Sha- is it Shazi, Shaza? Shazia. Shazia. Yep. She says to this extent, like, well, I mean, if, if you don't, I have to go get a court order, then I have to come back. And, like, either way, you're going to have to tell me. And, like, that's just a very nerve-wracking thing to think that, like, your, you know, memories that you may not even really fully understand can be taken from you and used against you in a way. Yeah. You know, like they had like the whole like when the guy was walking by and saw the girl, it's like she essentially saw that he was checking her out. It's like, oh, yeah, you pig <clears throat> checking that girl out. Right. Uh, but it's just interesting that, I mean, like we get into this age today where a lot of things aren't private today. Like with social media, you know, there's mm-hmm. things where they talk about like, you know, there's multiple recording devices all around the world that are capturing things. So really we kind of have this today in a technological way, but we we don't quite have where we can steal people's, you know, memories and use those. But just that whole idea again that like nothing is private is a pretty scary thing. <laughs> you are so right. And I mean, you know, I'm I'm one of those that I will put electrical tape over my webcams and <laughs> you know, even <laughs> if I don't have it activated just because I'm thinking somebody's watching. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> no, of course not. Um but that's that's kind of scary and that's a really good um, number four because that kind of goes into my number two, 
which I'll go ahead and talk about since we're talking about it, um, was the recaller was, was my number two. Like, should that be what that technology is used for? Um, you know, Shazia says that the memories are subjective, they're emotional, you know, should access be given? I know that it's, it's, there's like legal ramifications if you say no, but I mean, how can they take what you are recalling? And I know she's like, well, it's okay, because based on all the information that we gather, we can kind of get a picture of what happened, but should, you know, what is private anymore? I mean, if you can't even have your own thoughts to yourself anymore, because I mean, I don't know about you and I will not say specifically, but you know, I've had some pretty crazy thoughts run through my head, Um, you know, and, and do you really want the world or anyone to really know some of the the things that have ran through your head, whether you intend to do anything about them or not, you know, um, it, it reminded me a lot of the Tom Cruise movie, Minority Report. Did you ever see that? that Yeah. I saw bits and pieces of it, but yeah, same thing. Like where this dude gets arrested because he, they thought he, or they, they saw that he was going to commit a murder. He didn't commit a murder or anything. And right. maybe with their technology, he was, but he didn't actually do anything. Yeah. Like you get arrested before you commit the crime. Like they're able to see kind of like the future and what your future self is going to do. And they see that this person's going to commit this murder. So they go arrest him. Well, they haven't even done it yet. So it kind of reminds me a little bit like that, you know, that, you know, what, you know, just because maybe you've thought of killing that person, you haven't done it yet, you haven't acted on it yet, you haven't actually committed a crime, um, that these things can can be used against you. And, and I know that that's not the case in, in this, but, you know, how, I don't know, it just seems like if they're talking about how subjective they are and the thoughts that run in your head, you know, it's like, can you really rely on it and, and have that used against you? And it just seems um, just a really scary and slippery slope with technology like that. <clears throat> so well, I think that would be interesting if you played this out where it was kind of like the minority report where, you know, as, uh, as she's using that machine to see her thoughts, like she sees that, oh my gosh, like she murdered this Rob guy. Mm-hmm. Well, what happens if she didn't actually murder Rob? She thought she murdered Rob. Right. And maybe Rob, you know, is missing because he killed himself because he was set because he was, you know, depressed about this. And then all of a sudden she's envisioning killing this, you know, this girl that's at her house because she's like, Oh my gosh, she knows something. And she becomes proactive about it and says, Oh my gosh, please. She was going to do this. See, look, I see the thoughts that were running through her head and she ends up getting arrested because of potential things that she thought about. Now in this, it seems like there wasn't that it was her actually doing these crimes, but you know, if her memory was that she killed Rob because she felt guilty about it because he commits suicide or something like that, that she could alter what happened in her mind. And to, to this lady, the insurance lady, it, to her it was. like, And you just kind of run into that whole thing like there's no evidence, there's no proof except this, you know, somewhat technological thing that says there's stuff that happened. Right. Yeah, it just seems like it's too too subjective uh, to, to be able to, you know um, – use that against them because they used it in the end with a freaking guinea pig to, (laughs) you know, to, to, you know, trace back who was at that house and who committed those crimes. Um, you know, how far do you take it? You know, so kind of scary. So that's, it's really good. Number four. You have anything else to say about that one? Uh, nope. That pretty much tidies up my number four where there's just nothing is private. Ugh. Oh, it, it feels like we're pretty close to that now. I'll say yeah. that. <laughs> we may not be reading memories, um, but it feels like there's very little privacy nowadays. 
Um, Okay, so my number four is uh, the accident with the biker. So going all the way back to the beginning, you know, I think it's just kind of interesting to to think what what would you do in that situation? I mean, I think that we'd all like to say that we would do the right thing when you're presented with that situation. Like, I'd like to think that, you know, if that was me, I would immediately call the cops. I know that, yes, you know, that would be considered, you know, manslaughter, you're under the influence, you know, but I think that facing the crime for that at that time was going to be a lot less than had they been found out when Rob was looking to confess to this man's wife 15 years later. You know, covering it up for that amount of time is going to be way worse on you than if you had just confessed at the time. It was an accident. I mean, that yes, they were under the influence. It doesn't excuse what happened, but it was an accident. Um, so, you know, it's like we, we think that we'd act that way, but what happens when you're really presented in that situation, we, we can all say, oh, I'd never do that. But would you, you know, cause I mean, I think clearly you could see that Mia at the time was really struggling with that and was really trying to argue, uh, with Rob about, you know, covering this up and, and throwing him in the, in the water. And, you know, she was really upset and torn, which at least there was that she, you know, at least outwardly struggled with it. And, you know, she didn't feel like that she had a choice based on being pressured uh, by, by Rob, but in the end she did choose to go along with it. So she did make a choice and had to live with that choice for the last 15 years. So I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to, to know your perspective on that and maybe what, how you think that would have been different or how maybe you would have reacted in, this, in that situation. Well, it kind of seemed like one of those just overwhelming moments. Like it happens and she's like, oh my gosh. Like she, like she seemed like in shock. Mm-hmm. I think Rob was in shock at first, but then like the realization of like, oh shit, like I'm going to jail. Like I can't do jail. Like I, the, you know what they'll do to me in jail? Mm-hmm. And so he just kind of goes into like reactionary mode of like, we got to get rid of this body. There's nobody out here. Nobody saw it. You know, I just got to do this. And I think even if she didn't help, he was going to do it. Like he would have done it on his own. Yeah, definitely. It's just that idea. It's like now you're in this with me. So now two people have this secret that, you know, if he just did it, she could, you know, when they get back to town or get back somewhere, like he, she could still say, like, oh my gosh, like we, like Rob killed somebody. But now at this point with her tied to it, it's me and Rob hit a body. Yeah. He hit the person, you know, he's the one that actually killed the person, but I helped. And, you know, that kind of makes her have a secret at this point that she doesn't, she's not going to want to share. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, and I think he kind of dragged her along with it. And it's just that overwhelming moment. And once you start getting that ball rolling, it's like, okay, well, are we really doing this? Like we're really putting this body in this sleeping bag. And like you're like it's like you're too far in, into it that you can't stop. And it's almost like an out-of-body experience. Like you're watching this happen. You're like, no, just stop. We're calling the cops. We're gonna call the cops. But you just keep watching yourself screaming, like, no, no, don't do that, don't do that. And it's just too late. You're counting to three and tossing the body in the the pond or lake or whatever it was. Right. I yeah, I I agree with what what you say. It's it's kind of like when you're in that moment, it's like you don't feel like you're in your body, like you're watching yourself. And like it is an out of body kind of experience. You're in such shock over something like that happening that you just it's like your brain 
just can't process it. So it's like you're acting, but it's not really you. And yeah, yeah, so I I feel like that's probably what was happening to her. She was just going with the motion. And and like I said, it doesn't, I'm not saying it necessarily excuses her behavior. I think that she was so caught up in the moment and the shock of, of them just having run over someone. I mean, I couldn't, I I've never hit anyone with my car, thank God. But, um, you know, I can't imagine the feeling of, of that happening in the, in the shock, like, oh my gosh, not only did we hit someone, we killed someone, you know, he's not just hurt, you know, lying there, he's, he's dead. Uh, the shock of that moment and what, what your body, how, how you process that or your mind processes that. So I think that, you know, it's like, you think, you know, you know, the right thing. She knew the right thing to do. Um, but wasn't able, wasn't able to do it. So I just, thought that was just interesting to kind of take a look at where it all started and, um, you know, how it ended up for her and the decisions that she made later. So that's my number four. Cool. So for my number three, this is the part that kind of made this episode, not the, my favorite, and it was really the predictable plot. Mm -hmm. So we start out once, once I figured out that the, the, that Mia was the girl with the haircut, like it was the same person. Once I got that through my head, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, you know, you're seeing this stuff kind of happen. It's like, you know, she kills him and dumps the body. And then you're seeing uh, the insurance lady going around. You're like, oh, okay, I see where this is going. And, you know, she stops by. and It becomes like a really bad horror movie at that point. Mm-hmm. Because then it's like this whole like struggle of like, well, I have to kill you because now you know my secret. Oh, you have a family? Do they know you're here? No, I have to use this machine. Nope, you, you, they know you're here. I have to go kill your family now. It's what I have to do. Yeah. And there's no logical reason for it too either because you could, I mean, uh, I don't know. Like, well, I guess, I guess at that point, if they knew she was there, they would uh, be able to use that thing on her again. But, you know, Mm -hmm. she gets to the house, she sneaks in, she, and why was the dude taking a bath? I don't take baths, but this dude apparently liked to take a bath. Thank you. I was wanting to, I was curious about that. I mean, I don't, and I mean, hey, if, if you like taking baths, that's fine. But I'm a girl and I don't like taking baths. I am not one of those grab a book, light some candles, and uh, have a Calgon moment uh, yeah. in, in the bathtub. So it really surprised me to see a fella sitting in the bathtub. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with it. I'm just surprised. Usually most, you know, uh, I feel are, are shower people, uh, you know, so I was surprised by that. Thank you for um, for answering <laughs> that question because it was a question that I didn't want to ask, but you put it out there. <laughs> But yeah, the only, thing on. that, the only thing that surprised me was then that, you know, we knew there was a kid in the house and you see that moment. I thought her motherly instincts would have kicked in at this point, mm-hmm. but she decides that, you know, she's like, okay, well this kid can see me. So, you know, he's can, he can tell people what happened. And, you know, at this point you just know like, okay, she's doing all these bad things and she's going to get caught. Like she, there's just no way she's not going to get caught. It's, mm-hmm. it's black mirror. And I guess the only thing that I guess was was the twist to me that I didn't see coming was was the damn gerbil being able to use that you know little uh, memory capture from it. I know is scary because imagine <coughs> my dogs have probably seen me do some things that I don't want people seeing, <laughs> and so it's like, hey, wonder what Sean was doing when he was home alone. Oh God, you animal! <laughs> nope, turn that off. <laughs> But that was the only real kind of plot twist to me. But still, it's just it, at the point where you know the insurance lady kind of pinpoints where to go. It just the plot became very predictable and became kind of that kind of bad horror movie thriller type uh, of entertainment. Yep, I I'll agree with you on that one. It 
And I don't know that that's if the predictability was really it for me. I think it was just this was just so dark of an episode that I thought, did it really need to go that far as it did, um, you know, in this episode? So but I but I agree with everything that you said, basically. And and yes, can we all potentially have this downfall of, of an animal, and in this case, this guinea pig, this gerbil, however you um, relate to that particular species, you know, can that be, can that be our downfall? And I guess she didn't <laughs> either notice it in the room or think that they could use that device, that recaller on an animal that they could use that. I think she was in such shock over what she had just done, not only with Shazia at her home and, and killed her, but then killed um, her Shazia's husband. And his name escapes me. I'm horrible with names. <clears throat> but um, and having just killed him and then she realizes the baby's there and realizes what she has to do or what she thinks that she has to do. Um, I think just how far it had to go. And we knew this wasn't, like you said, I mean, I think we probably knew how this was going to end up. It is Black Mirror. And it's a lot of things in Black Mirror. uh, It's very similar to if you are a fan of Game of Thrones, I think a line that is said, uh, if you think this story has a happy ending, you haven't been paying attention. (laughs) That's kind of how you can, you know, say that about Black Mirror. There aren't a whole lot of happy endings. Uh, Hopefully that's not too spoilery for anyone if you haven't watched the other other seasons um, of, of, of this. But, you know, there it is. So, yeah, I agree with a lot of that. Cool. Good. Yeah, so my number three is just kind of a little bit of a downfall to it. I think it kind of tied into to the last episode too. Um, uh, oh, shit, what was it? Archangel. Where Archangel uh-huh. kind of at some point, it kind of got a little like, okay, I know where this story's going. Mm-hmm. And the surprise, the end wasn't very surprising. And I felt like these two episodes back to back kind of like, okay, well, that's the second episode where I kind of really knew where things were going. Mm-hmm. And just that, I don't, I like with Black Mirror, I like being surprised. Like, I'm like, oh my gosh, I did not see that coming. Yeah. It definitely, it, you knew how, kind of how it was going to end. You just didn't know how you were going to get there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, yeah, yeah, exactly. Great point. Yeah. So my number three is just the predictable plot. I like it. I like it. Good one. My number three um, is just a particular character um, herself, um, Shazia. I don't have too much to say about her, but I found her really interesting. I really liked her cool and calm demeanor and her people skills. You know, she clearly has a way of putting someone at ease, uh, which obviously comes very useful in her profession, knowing that people are going to be uncomfortable talking to her. They may want to lie about events that happened. Uh, I really liked her affinity for the peppermints. I thought that was just adorable that we kept seeing her pop in the peppermints. I had um, read somewhere that peppermints are actually known to help uh, strengthen like memory. Like if you want to try and like think of something, the smell of peppermint helps uh, like those neurons fire off or something that effect. Basically peppermints really? help you remember things. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. And they said like, well, that's probably why she was chewing them. That's really interesting. I've never heard that, but that's really interesting. And it's a funny little tie in when you think of, of, 
you know, the essence of the show and how they're trying to recall memories. And she's using like the smell of beer, the uh, music that was playing on the street from that car, you know, how she's using all of these things to try to help people, uh, you know, remember those events that, that happened. So that's interesting. Um, I didn't know that. I just thought it was kind of adorable of, of her that she kept this little bag of peppermints and you could see her popping them, you know, she's uh, going from place to place. So I really liked her character. I thought, you know, she's, she's clearly doing a good job. She's trying to clear up this particular case that we see her, you know, getting involved with Mia about this pizza delivery van truck, whatever you want to call it. You know, she's, uh, trying to wrap this thing up in 24 hours. Cause, and I, I know it's probably partially monetarily, uh, motivated because she does talk to her husband, you know, and she's talking about going out to Mia's house, you know, and then it's kind of late in the day, but she's like, well, if I wrap this up in 24 hours, I get twice the bonus. So that's obviously a cool motivator, but it seems like she just really wants to clean this up and, and she likes to be efficient at her job. So I definitely respected that. And I just liked her character, um, altogether. I felt really bad. I didn't, I mean, even though we saw Mia kill Rob, I didn't really, I thought Mia was going to get away. So I I was, I don't know if that was just me being, um, naive or, or whatever, but I, I do, you know, uh, I've, I've seen enough horror movies. I've seen enough black mirror and things similar that, you know, I don't always have such an optimistic feeling about things like that, but I really felt she was going to get away and that it was going to turn out a little bit differently for her. So I felt really bad whenever Mia took her out, I felt really bad for her husband and for her child and how she, you know, really begged to, you know, not be killed, how she was trying to reason with Mia, you know, uh, I won't, I won't tell it's like Catholic confession, you know, I can't buy law, even though she's clearly lying because we found out earlier that if, if she finds out that, you know, you're going to harm someone or you have harmed someone, she will tell or however that rule went, that might be slightly off just a little bit, but, um, basically she would, you know, she is kind of obligated to say something, but I like how she was at least trying to reason with her. Unfortunately it didn't work. But I really liked her character and I thought it was, um, or at least worth mentioning her. And um, so I really liked her. Yeah, I think the character had a really interesting, because I mean, she had mentioned, she's like, I've seen some some things like, and you'd have to imagine with that kind of technology, you'd see some really crazy things like mm-hmm. probably even things that were borderline, uh, I guess not borderline illegal, but you know, like doing drugs or things right. that are illegal, but not like bad illegal You'd have to think that this company would realize that going into these places, and maybe it's it's like a naiveness with women. Like she's like, well, I'm just going to see this like you know super wealthy woman who you know what's the worst that you know she's going to do? Like you know I feel really safe about this, right? And the fact that you know anybody can be this have this killer mindset or have something that triggers them enough that they could commit murder. That you you know like to me if like my wife had this kind of job like I'd almost want to go everywhere with her or they'd have some kind of armed guard with her because right what kind of you, protection do they have yeah because you never never know when you might trip over somebody that like you they you stick that on them because like okay well I can trick the saints like oh I you have bodies in your basement um, exactly okay oh, I got we, what we I need just met John John Wayne Gacy here yeah. <laughs> And oh man, so I, that's the only thing I could think of with with her. I mean, she did a great job as a character too. Like she she did, she was like a counselor slash investigator. 
right. and trying to get all this stuff out of people. And you know, I, I love that character, but again, it's just like you got to have some protection. Somebody's got to be there with you. That's a really good point, and I don't think that I thought of it or really made that connection until just now when you mentioned it. That that yeah, you never because she's just these random people. She doesn't even know. Like she. The first guy that she goes to interview is the guy that got hit by the truck. And she doesn't get too much from him. So she sees, oh, you kind of made eye contact with this woman walking down the street. And she was right there as it happened. I'm going to go meet with her. So she was able to find her. Uh, She was then able to uh, identify the dentist up in his office building and get from get you know, some information from him. She couldn't identify Mia and the hotel wouldn't identify her based on their rules and their privacy acts. Thank God someone's got some privacy mindedness going <laughs> can't, on. can't tell you who she is, but we can tell you she was watching. She porn. likes, she likes the porn, but we can't <laughs> tell you who she is. Um, so she ends up doing this facial like identification, which we have somewhat today. They do the spatial recognition, you know, for like TSA and airport security and stuff. So that stuff kind of exists today. Um, but she has access to, to some of that, um, uh, software for her job. And she's able to just get this image, this blurry image at that. And you don't know who these people are. She's just going from one person to the next. And, and I don't think that you know who you're going to run into each time you go confront one of these people because it's already kind of a, a you know, a, a, a scary kind of situation where the people aren't probably going to be very forthright. The dentist was even hesitant to share what he knew because he did do something oh, yeah. I would consider. Like, I don't know the laws in the, the country that they were in, but here you're not really supposed to be taking, uh, you know, unauthorized naked pictures of people without their knowledge. And that's what he was doing was taking pictures of that fella uh, down in his, um, or I guess he was also in the hotel, but he was taking pictures of that guy. And I'm pretty sure it's probably not legal where they're at, but she, you know, she's like, I don't care about that. That's let's just move on. What'd you see next? Um, so, I mean, I'm sure she has, you know, seen it all, but I think it is a little bit scary when you think about delving into, because you don't know who you're going to run into. You don't know that that person might look good or safe on the outside. And that's like you said, probably what she thought with this person. Cause they're, you know, this is a, a family woman. Uh, they look uh, affluent from the home that, that she's in. What, what is there to be scared of? Well, she learned that really quick. You're right. Mm-hmm. They, they should be, they should be having some sort of backup. Somebody should always know where you're at as you should have a person with you. The buddy system. Buddy what? system would work. You have to radio in, you know, yeah. and if, Oh yeah. A complete monitoring. Cause Again, like that's probably the the thinking bad on society, but in those situations when you're in some like like there's a kid that came to our house last night and was like, Hey, can we uh shovel your yard or shovel your driveway tomorrow morning? Mm-hmm. And it's like eight o'clock at night and my wife and I are like, Who the hell's coming to a house at eight o'clock at night? Like nobody <laughs> good does that. Right. <laughs> I know. And I hate thinking that way. I hate being skeptical. I, I do like to try to believe most people are inherently good, but I'm also, I have enough, I think, skepticism probably from all of my years of, of TV watching and CSI and scary movies and Black Mirror. Thank you for all the education. You know, <laughs> that sometimes there's a little fishiness going on and you should listen to your intuition and I don't know yeah. if maybe you'd think that maybe Shazi would have a little bit better um, intuition maybe in reading people if the, all these people that she's meeting all the time kind of randomly, 
you know, she doesn't know. I mean, I guess I don't know how much information she gets. Clearly she was able to get this woman's name, uh, her address to be able to find her. I don't know what else she was able to find, how much of a report that you get, uh, you know, but I, she felt safe enough to be able to, to, to do this kind of work and to not have someone with her. And, uh, I think, you know, I think that's kind of sketchy. And then you saw when she interviewed that one woman, when we first meet Shazia, and this was unrelated to the pizza truck incident, she went to knock on that one lady's door and that lady was clearly lying about whatever oh, her claim yeah, was. Yeah. yeah. She's throwing on the neck brace and you know, grabbing her crutches or whatever. And I mean, that lady clearly had something to hide. And when people have something to hide, eh, that, that makes me worry. So good, good point. Good perspective. So that was my number three. What's your number two? Uh, so my number two is, so this episode gave me something I want in real life. And I think I saw Pizza Hut was doing this. <laughs> I, I think want I might have tweeted about it. So look look out there, people. <laughs> I want one of these pizza delivery trucks because I love delivery stuff. Because it's like, you know, I don't want to get in my car, drive 20 minutes, wait, drive back 20 minutes. Like, mm-hmm. I just want to sit at home and have it come to me. Yes. And I've got a bunch of dogs and... No matter what, I type on there. I'm like, hey, please you know, text my phone or call, and I'll meet you outside because I have big dogs. And nothing annoys me more than sitting on the couch watching TV. Somebody knocks on the door, and my dogs freak out, scaring the shit out of me. Amen. It's like, this pizza truck, like that's what I'd have to do. I'd have to get up out of my seat, walk to the driveway, get my pizza, and come back in. But I don't have to interact with anybody. It's coming right close enough to my door that my dogs aren't going to freak out, and uh-huh. it's going to be nice and warm and hot. You know, ideally what these things would do is they, they'd load them up and they'd be cooking your pizza on the way to your place. Yes, so that's like on demand. fresh as it's getting right, right to your house. Oh, my and gosh. That would be amazing. Not sitting in one of those bags that's supposed to keep it hot, but not yeah. quite out of the oven hot. <laughs> it's not quite the same. Like I don't care for Pizza Hut pizza too much, mm-hmm. but if you get it delivered or you take it home, it's just not quite as good as if you just eat it there. Yeah, absolutely. When they deliver it right to your table... Uh, right out of the oven versus delivery. There's yeah, a difference. It's still in the pan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The the cheese is still kind of bubbling just a little bit. Mm-hmm. Okay, like that's it's it. Sogged and it's in its juices. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, but yeah, before it has time to sit in the grease and get too soggy. <laughs> <laughs> or at least for me, because I I have to like get like the um, the ultimate pepperoni or whatever, like double pepperoni. Mm. So all the grease from the pepperoni has um, made its way to the bottom of the pan. So you get a chance to eat it before it's settled in its yeah. own grease. I'm a meat lovers guy. If I go pizza, it's meat lovers. I can do a meat lovers, but I'm definitely a pepperoni gal. All pepperoni. If if you're gonna, you know, stress me out about it, it's gonna be all pepperoni. But I'm equal opportunity because I I don't have well unless you throw some pineapple on it. I've never had a bad pizza. <laughs> Sorry, I know there's some pineapple people out there that love pineapple on their pizzas and the Hawaiian pizzas. That's fine. You have at it. Just don't put it on my pizza. Um, that's that's uh, a sacred place for me is my pizza preference. <laughs> but yeah, you're absolutely right on demand pizza. And yes, I did. Uh, I didn't put it in the news, but I tweeted it out. So if you follow us, follow us on social media, go check us out because I did, you know, and it's funny because Black Mirror tweeted about it too after this was announced that Pizza Hut was going to have this type of pizza delivery truck. And I think if I read it correctly, I kind of skimmed it real quick. It was going to be kind of like an Uber Uber for pizza delivery on demand pizza. Oh, that'd be so awesome. Isn't that so amazing? You don't, you don't even have to interact with anybody. It's just like 
pizza, this, my house now. Yeah, just pay with your card online or whatever when you order it. And it's just on demand, like an Uber delivery guy, and he's bringing pizza. It does sound pretty amazing. So, yeah, it, yeah it's my it's my number two. Is just I want that pizza truck, and it sounds like we're we're within like that's within our range. Like we won't have we won't be able to see my memory as I'm eating this pizza, <laughs> but I can get this pizza delivered. Exactly. I'll take the pizza over somebody having some sort of device to <laughs> recall my memory. Oh yeah, sure. <laughs> Nobody wants to 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 know what's going on up in my head. Trust me. Um, yeah, that's definitely worth mentioning. That was in my notes. So uh, definitely worth mentioning is this pizza truck. I love me some pizza. Um, okay, that's that's a great number two. I don't even know how to move on. How do we move on from that, from uh, on-demand pizza? But we'll try. So we already talked about my number two, which was the recaller. And just like, is it just, I don't know, the the right, like what right do we have? Do we have the rights for the, to, to use something like that, which we don't have that technology, but it seems that we move further and further on to not having privacy. And if that is something that we're able to have, should it be used in this kind of way? And what are the ethics involved? I don't know that I'm educated enough to, to speak about it or whatever, but um, that, that was my number two, which we've already talked about. So what is your number one? All right, so my number one, I think there's multiple people you could talk about this, but it's really the idea of like going, doing all you can when you have something to lose. Mm-hmm. So, first we had Rob, who uh, he had his kind of freedom to lose in this situation. So, he runs over a biker and he's like, shit, like if I don't do something, like I'm going to go to jail. When Rob ends up going to Mia's house or Mia's uh, hotel room, mm-hmm. now at this point, she has a ton to lose. Because at first, she's like, well, we got to call the, the <clears throat> police because in this situation she doesn't really have a lot to lose right it's essentially like you know yeah i'm gonna get probably fined maybe community service or something but i'm not going to jail you would be but now when he comes to her house after 15 years and she kind of was a accomplice to murder now she has her her career her family all these things to lose so she kind of goes into super mode of like i gotta protect all that stuff and then you're talking about the insurance lady you know, her, th- her thing too is like, you know, she has a big bonus to lose. So she's trying to get all this stuff done and maybe being a little bit um, not cautious enough mm-hmm. with who she's going to talk to and when she's Good going point. to talk to people. So she has some money that she's, you know, has something to lose. So she's going kind of above and beyond to try and get that, which kind of costs her in this situation. So it's just kind of an interesting idea that like each of these people when the big events happened for them, it was when they had something massive to lose. Now, um, some of them were bigger than others, but it was just interesting to me that it, it took kind of that thing, losing those things to really push them to do something they may not have done in, under normal circumstances. Very good point. Very good point. I think I think we all, like we kind of talked about earlier, you know, with the accident in the beginning, that you think you know how you're going to act in a situation, but when presented with it, you don't quite know how far you're capable of going. You know, I don't... I don't know. And we'll, we'll probably kind of talk more into that into my number one, but I, I totally agree with that. If you, and I'm not going to um, jump into mine unless you're finished with yours, but I just, no, I, mean, that's, I mean, unless you have kind of anything to add on to it with it, but it's just really the, it's just that idea that, like, you know, we talked about like, why would somebody do these type of things? Well, why would Rob go above and beyond? And like, like no normal person would think, Oh, I can hide this body. Right. It's because he knew he was in a rock and a hard place. He had a lot to lose. Same thing with Mia. You know, she's like, if, if I don't do something with him, he's going to cause me to lose my husband, my kid, my career, my potentially my freedom too, at this point. And so I have to do, by any means necessary, do this to, to kind of keep everything 
as the way it is. Right. Yeah. I mean, she's definitely in a different place where she could have, you know, and like I said, d- calling yourself out and, and confessing to the crime 15 years ago would have been a lot less uh, on you than covering it up for 15 years as Rob was getting ready to, you know, drop the bomb and not necessarily to the police, but to the victim's wife, you know, and, and like confess because he's going through, you know, he's, he's sober, he's in a 12 step program and he feels that he needs to make amends for what he's done and for the people that he's hurt. And <coughs> Maybe he doesn't have as much to to lose. He's told, you know, he's, you know, as as he and Mia are talking in the hotel room, he's kind of like, well, look where you're at. You're you've got this fancy new career. You're settled. You're, you know, you've got a, you know, great job. You got money. People, she says herself, are paying to listen to her talk. So she clearly, you know, um, has has some sort of position. And he's like, well, look at me. I'm just. I'm shit. I'm, you know, I'm a piece of shit. So he doesn't quite feel he's got as much to lose, you know, if for some reason they get caught, which he doesn't think that they will. She, I don't know, does, does, did no one know about this particular technology? Cause I feel like I would have heard about something that this, this recaller and that this was being used. I mean, do you think that like word of mouth, a friend of a friend had this, has had this used on them to, you know, to, to recall some memories, you know, it seems like how, cause she's like, well, no, someone's going to find out they have ways is what she told Rob. She's like, you know, if you write this letter, they have ways to trace it back and they'll know that it was us. They'll know that I was there. You know, she's worried about that when in the end she ends up getting tripped up by this you know, this recaller and this technology. Anyway, how could she not have known about that existing? Maybe, <clears throat> Maybe but it might've been one of those situations. Like you just know a little bit about it. Like, Oh, they can kind of see memories. Mm-hmm. It's not and like, you know, when they even talk about it, it's not super reliable. So you might think it's like, you know, cause these people would have been grown up with like the very first of these technologies that were real shoddy. You know, it's like, Oh, well, this is probably like, you know, old school. This is like people probably talking about like a uh, virtual reality back like on Nintendo compared to now. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, they had like goggles and stuff you could put on, but like you compare the two, it's like, oh, this isn't like, you know, your granddad's virtual reality. Like this is real virtual reality. It's like Resident Evil 1 versus Resident <clears throat> Evil 7 today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so maybe she knows like, well, they have some ways to see it, but it's pixelated and it looks like Laura Croft with square boobs. So they really <laughs> can't tell what it is. I played um, that game. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, that'd be my only guess is that she probably didn't fully understand what that would be. Because even when um, she stopped by, I was like trying to get her to get hooked up to it. It didn't seem like she fully understood what they could see. Right. Well, even after she learned about the technology and was kind of asking questions about it or learning about it, she didn't know it could be used on animals. (laughs) That's true. Yeah. So, yeah, really interesting. Well, that kind of leads into my number one, which is Mia's downward spiral. So... You know, Rob comes to her hotel room. I don't think that she intended to kill Rob. I think that she was, yes, panicking. You could clearly see how she was panicking about his decision about confessing or at least, you know, he didn't quite say what he was going to write, just that he was going to write this, the the victim's uh, a wife because she, he's like, well, she hasn't moved from the house. She is never remarried because she still feels that somehow one day he's going to return to her. So he feels it's necessary to release her from that to kind of confess like, you know, hey, he's not coming back. I ran over him and and he's he's dead. Um, 
How exactly he had planned on saying that or presenting that information, I don't know. But she's clearly having a, a, a panic about it and, and how it's going to ruin her life. So I don't know that she really intended to kill him. I think she, that she just wanted to prevent him from leaving to try to still reason with him because she did try to reason, you know, with him and, and, and say, you know, you can't do this. You know, you might feel bad for what you've done and you might feel like you need to make amends because you've wronged her. But what about the wrong that you're going to do to me by telling people this or, or confessing this. And I think that, you know, she's grabbed him and she's just trying to prevent him from leaving, but then he falls and you can kind of hear that crack. Like it sounded like he kind of cracked his skull, which it really surprised me. I'll just kind of say, first off, it kind of surprised me that she was able to prevent him from leaving. I don't know if he was just trying to be non-confrontational or not violent towards her by grabbing her and, and kind of not hitting her or anything, but just like shoving her to the side, like get off of me kind of way to, to get around her, to get out of the room. Uh, he didn't seem to, to try too hard to get away from her. So it really surprised me because she's a small woman. She's very thin and, you know, he looked like he had, you know, some height and weight on her. So it really kind of surprised me. It was a little bit hard to believe that she could prevent him from leaving the room if he really wanted to leave that room. So that was kind of one of those, um, like we need a plot point kind of thing. So she needs yeah. to get this ball rolling by accidentally killing him. Yeah. Unless she just had this, you know, cause they say that people in, in dire situations like that adrenaline kicks in and people get superhuman strength. Like people can lift cars off of people or something, you know, they have this moment of superhuman strength. I don't know that that was that type <laughs> of situation for her, but it really surprised me that she was able to prevent him from leaving that room. But either way, uh, that's what happened. And he falls, you hear what sounds like his skull is kind of cracked which leaves him disabled enough where he's still conscious and he's trying to put up a fight and she realizes, oh, I'm just going to go ahead and finish the job. Um, you know, she makes that decision at that point to, to move forward. And, you know, but I was still just kind of surprised that she was able to prevent him from leaving. Um, she, um, after she, it, another thing that kind of surprised me a little bit, it's not funny. It's just so not funny because this was such a heavy and dark episode. And I love, uh, I do have appreciate the dark side of things and, and feel I've got a little bit of a dark nature myself. I can appreciate the darkness, but you know, she, after she kills Rob, he's sitting in her back seat and she's like sitting here. Oh yeah. Kind of with that decision of what to do with him or, or if she's waiting for the timing or whatever it is. I'm, I'm not really quite clear on why she's just waiting in her car. Maybe she's waiting for it to be dark or something. I'm not sure. Uh, she gets that phone call from her family, and she's just talking to them. I mean, you can tell she's obviously distressed, but she's just talking to to them, talking to her son. Like, yep, I don't have a dead body in the back seat or anything. You know, uh, I'm just like, I just, I just, I can't relate to how someone's able to do something like that. Um, the, then she has the confrontation with Shazia. This is the next part of her downward spiral, uh, you know, where she thinks that she can, you know, uh, force herself to only focus on the memories that Shazia is interested in if she goes and just focuses on those things. Um, clearly, she sees that Shazia is uh, afraid and she kills Shazia in the end. And then she ends up killing uh, Shazia's husband and then the baby. And I think that the further that she that she went with this whole thing in those decisions that you mentioned earlier, all of these bad decisions that happened, you could really see, and, and I, I saw the actress's name and it just escapes me. Um, and I hate that I can't remember it right offhand because I think uh, she did such a great job. Do Karen you have it? Sonia Sawar? 
that are might... you talking about uh, Andrea oh, um, Risenborough? Yeah, Risenborough. yeah, her that played Mia. Yeah, she did such a fantastic job. I think because I think you could really see the further that she went with every time that she made those decisions and was was killing each person. You could really see how she declined outwardly. That each violent act of murder really took a piece of her. And it was visible not just internally, um, I think, for her, but also her outward appearance. Like you could just see how it was wearing on her. And she just looked to like her eyes seemed to get more shallow. She just, you know, the, the look on her and expressions on her face. I thought she did such a fantastic job. And it just really made me think, was it necessary how far she took it? I, I know that she had a lot to protect as far as her family, her lifestyle, uh, would it have been better for them to confess it when the original accident happened versus 15 years have passed? You know, she couldn't help or prevent what was c- coming up in the recaller. She was trying to focus on just that accident, you know, repeating to herself, I ate the, I ate the food, I watched the porn, you know, trying to keep that the forefront. But I think because of the guilt and the memories of killing Rob and then that biker that were coming to the surface, because you could just see it in spurts. It's like she was trying to sh- just focus on those things, but from Shazia, she was looking on that monitor of the recaller that like those flashes were coming out. It's like no matter how much she tried to suppress them, they just kept coming up. And I think it was that guilt that she was feeling. And it wasn't just that part of the guilt. Um, I think that you could also see, you know, when she was killing or right before she hit Shazia with that piece of wood, she said, can you please close your eyes for me? It's like she couldn't even have her look in her eye. And then after she killed Shazia's husband in the bathtub, she covers his face. And, you know, that is is an act of contrition. And and like you can't you can't look at what you just did. You can't face it. So she's not as cold blooded and ruthless as like psychopaths. But clearly she has something messed up with her if she's able to to carry out the acts that she did. Um, so I just I thought her whole downward downward spiral from where she was in the beginning, where she ended up. Uh, was was just really interesting uh, to me and how how that all came about and how she she struggled but yet was still able to carry it out. Yeah, I mean it's one of those things like the first one's like really tough and it seems like it didn't get e- like a lot easier but it did get to the point where it was easy enough for her to kill like a child. Yes. So I mean it's it's just like with anything I think when you hear about like serial killers and stuff like that like it doesn't seem like their first ones are always like the easiest thing in the world but they're clumsy. They yeah, and then they start figuring. I was like, "Oh, I can do this." Like, there's, there's nothing. There's not a ton to it. Mm-hmm. I think that's where she, you know, was getting to that point. And when she was sitting at the play, like she looked like a zombie. I mean, yes. she looked physically ill. She looked like she had gone through like just some crazy stuff, which she did. Mm-hmm. In that moment, like you have so much guilt, so much like, "What the hell did I just do?" And you know, like it's like if I would have just ordered a pizza instead of being crazy, like this would be so much better. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was because she couldn't even like cheer for her son. It should have been like a happy thing. Her son's up there on the stage doing their little recital. They're singing whatever you want to call it, their little play. You know, he looked absolutely adorable along with the other kids. And she can't even, you know, all the parents are clapping and getting into it. And she can't even do that. She's just so sunk in and like there's nothing left left of her. I feel like everything that she did just chipped away at her. I think it started in the beginning 15 years ago with that accident. She lost a piece of herself uh, and was never, never able to get past it as much as what she thought she was. And then it just continued from, from that point. And she just wasn't even herself and didn't even probably recognize herself or even know who she was at that point. So that was my number one. Do you have any notes? 
news from uh, this one? The, the only big note I have is like if you have this technology, my thought is like what would stop, you know, if, if a government wanted to or some body wanted to say basically, like, hey, guess what? Every day you come home, you have to hook up to this thing. We get to see your whole day in front of you and make sure that you didn't do anything that we could deem illegal or inappropriate. <clears throat> I mean, you want to like say, like, oh, well, the greater good is we want to make sure that nobody's stealing or murdering or doing any of these bad things. You know, that would be one way to try and have that happen. Like we said, we have a lot of, you know, different monitoring pieces in place today. Like you said, there's cameras out there that capture everything. You know, like you said, you cover up your webcam. So there's some of this stuff already today, but like, you know, what's going to happen when they're able to suck out, you know, things from people's minds? Is that going to be the next step? Is like, hey, guess what? Put this thing on when you go to bed and we're going to figure out everything we can arrest you for or increase your taxes on. No, no, that would, no, we should not. (laughs) <laughs> that should not be a thing. I am like, I am such a, it may not sound like it. If you've listened to, <laughs> listen to us podcasts on the stranger things um, or, or me podcasts on anything. It may not sound like I'm a really private person, but I'm a very private person. And I'm very careful with some of the information that I share uh, with, with, with everyone, not just on a podcast, but uh, just in my daily life and interactions with people. I like to keep things to myself and I value my privacy, you know, to an extent. I mean, I'm not a hermit locking myself up or anything like that. Not anything that that strange, but you know, I am, I am a private person and I value my privacy. And I think that, that just because you think of something, I mean, you can think of something, but maybe you didn't act on it. And, and if they are able to process your memories and look at, at at your thoughts, you know, maybe you've thought of doing something, but you didn't actually do it. You know, how can they distinguish between if you've actually done it or if it was just a thought and you didn't actually do it? I mean, I think some of that can get kind of gray and kind of goes into that whole minority report thing. Like, well, you know, we saw you were going to kill a person, so we're going to go ahead and arrest you and put you away for it. And you haven't even actually done it yet. I mean, what happened to to uh, freedom of, of choice and free will? Yeah, you exactly. Know? So... Oh, no way. Yeah, that's why I just had, oh, I just hope we don't go there. It seems like Black Mirror, like with the pizza truck, keeps predicting <laughs> what's getting ready to happen. And I hope this doesn't happen. This is one one thing that I really hope out of Black Mirror doesn't happen. There's a few things in the episodes when you watch um, different episodes that it'd be like, oh, that wouldn't be so bad or that could be used for cool purposes, but not this. <laughs> no way. Yep, so that was the only real note I had. So what did you have for your notes? Well, my note was already covered, um, and that was the pizza truck. And yeah. I feel like that was definitely worth mentioning because uh, I I not only was a fan of it just in the show, but then realized, um, as you mentioned, seeing that it could come to fruition, uh, that that was just very exciting because, um, well, because pizza. Mm, I love, like pizza, pizza is one of those things that like, you know, it's like, okay, we'll get one pizza, we'll eat just two pieces, and we'll save the rest for later. You know you're, you're finished that thing off that night. You know it. It's gone. Yeah, you're, you're not leaving that. Or you're going to eat it, like, for breakfast next week. And uh, cold pizza, a lot of people are like, oh, it's gross. Mm, cold pizza is one of the greatest things ever. <laughs> I'm going to have, as much as I love pizza, I'm going to have to disagree with that one. I can't uh, do cold pizza. I have I to warm it up. cold pizza. Like, but it, right, like, right before you go to bed, like, right in the morning, mm, 
Good stuff. Now, here's the weird thing. It's like I don't like cold pizza the next morning when it's been in the refrigerator, but when it's been set congealing on the counter for a couple of hours, I can go grab a piece and eat it. <laughs> See, I'm the opposite there. I don't I had a buddy who would leave pizza out like for hours. Yeah. And I just could not do that. Like that that to me is that that's where I, I draw the line. Yeah, if you're done eating it, put it in the fridge. No. No, it's it's gotta no, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. There's nothing growing on it yet. And uh <laughs> I feel like there's probably enough uh, preservatives or whatever's happening That's on there true. that it's uh, it's going to be okay. I'm not going to get uh, too awful sick <laughs> from it. So People I'm okay like, with is, it. This is the first strange indeed agreement. Sean likes cold <laughs> pizza. Rima likes pizza that's been sitting out for a little while. Right. It's still cold. It's just not refrigerator cold. I can't do refrigerator cold. Like once that cheese is hardened, my pepperonis mm. are, you know, they're um, have the little grease pile sit on top of them because the grease is hardened up. Nah. Got to warm it up. And you can't just microwave warm it. I have to like put it in the oven or like the toaster oven. That to, does make it a lot better. I'm too late. Yeah. I'm too, I don't give it enough time to do that. I just, if I'm going to warm it up, it's microwave and, and eat it while it's still like scolding hot. I have to be in a hurry and, and it's okay because pizza really is good anytime, anywhere, any temperature. If, if I'm forced, I'll eat cold pizza. <laughs> but um, that's my preference. Good to know. Good to know. So, I think we are ready for some news. Do you want to start us off? Uh, So, this is an interview with Charlie Brooker uh, from Entertainment Weekly. So, the question is, as an American, I have to say the automated pizza truck is the best Black Mirror innovation ever. And Brooker says, I like to think that it must make your pizza in the truck. It's kind of what we were saying earlier. So, the next question is, that... It's what I was assuming. It's like a traditional food truck except fully automated. And I love that even your pizza truck isn't entirely benign technology. It still manages to take out a pedestrian here and there. Brooker replies back, yeah, you order the pizza using an app and it comes and finds you like an Uber. There was another sequence with the truck in it. It's the same pizza company that comes and delivers a pizza in USS Callister. If you're eagle-eyed because – if you're eagle-eyed – because once we've named a company, it's easier just to reuse it. We we had a lot of debate about the design and look of that truck, but I think they did a really good job recreating it. So the question is about the ending. How would they get the hamster to recall a specific memory, in this case a murder, and not just keep showing them images of food pellets and shavings? Now there is a good question, Broker says. I think they would do what we saw Kieran's character doing throughout the episode where she uses odors and sounds to evoke memories. So the reporter replies, I still want to see a trial where a hamster is the star witness. And Broker laughs, that was the darkest twist. That was one where I was going, I don't know if I'm going to get away with this. <laughs> yeah. I thought that was interesting to put in there to get Charlie Brooker's um, own perspective um, on the on the pizza truck and on the ending with uh, the hamster, which I think the, the writer uh, interviewer uh, later recalled that it was a guinea pig, but he's leaving hamster in. Um, <laughs> Uh, for everyone to debate amongst themselves. Yeah, very interesting. I like Charlie Brooker. He's got a really good sense of humor. If you ever read any um, of his other stuff or read his interviews or his Twitter or anything, um, he's funny. So the next article that we have is from Mashable.com, and it says, the best Black Mirror episodes don't just leave you wondering whether these uh, futures could happen. They force you to consider what it would mean if they did. So for John C. Havens, these aren't just idle TV musings. 
He's the executive director of the IEEE Global Initiative on Ethics of Autonomous and Intelligent Systems. Well, that's a mouthful. Um, Which is a program that aims to inspire the creation of IEEE standards around the design and development of artificial intelligence. In other words, he and his team are the ones trying to keep us from hurtling unprepared and unaware into a black mirror dystopia. He also happens to be a big Black Mirror fan, which is why we called him up to ask him all the questions that kept us up at night after we finished season four. So his issue with Crocodile has less to do with the market and more to do with the law. The episode centers around a machine that will allows an investigator to watch another person's memories and Havens is not buying it explaining it seemed unrealistic that someone would legally have the right to go into someone's house or whatever he said that raises some obvious concerns about privacy namely how that concept would change in a world where other people can access your most intimate thoughts however Havens pointed out the issue is much larger than that it's really about data control and parity he said that is it's about who owns your data who benefits from your data and what it means to consent to sharing it. There has to be an unequal or sorry, an equal long-term understanding that the data that we're giving away is not just about privacy in the moment. He said, it's a long-term usage of a form of our intellectual property that we should not be able to sign away in the environment that we're currently in. And certainly not the one we're going to in terms of virtual reality. In other words, it's not only about whether or not Mia agrees to let Shazia look into her brain. It's about what Shazia is allowed to do with the information she finds in there and what exactly Mia has given up by agreeing to participate. Or actually make that what Shazia would be allowed to do with that data. In the episode, Mia murders Shazia and her whole family rather than risk having her secrets discovered. Guess Mia felt pretty uneasy about giving her consent after all. All right, so we have a little bit of trivia from the episode. So BuzzFeed, so part of the text on the newspaper article Rob Shows Mia pokes fun at viewers who pause to read it. The text says, of course the real question is why anyone would pause what they're watching just to read a sentence in a printed out newspaper article, says a voice in your head, before advising you to go and share the findings (laughs) on Reddit. That's awesome. Let's see. And then we have one from IMDb. So this episode is titled Crocodile due to a crocodile's cognitive ability to associate memory with senses such as smell or hearing. The same technique is used to access the memories of the people in this episode. The lead role was initially written for a man until Andrew Riseborough came in and read for one of the other parts and challenged the producer and said, do you think it could be a woman? Oh, interesting. I found that interesting. I really like how she rose that question. Like, well, do you think it could be a woman? Um, yeah. Well, that's pretty big. For why the, not? That's pretty big for the producers and everything too, to be like, well, I mean, it is for a woman, but yeah, let's give, give it a shot. See what happens. Yeah. I mean, why can't a woman be just as capable of these type of acts than, than what a man can? And, and that's what I found really interesting as well. And I really liked, there's a couple of others. If you're interested, I didn't put too many of the little trivia facts in here about some of the little Easter eggs um, and other things that you could read um, on here. But I just really love how, cause Charlie Brooker writes pretty much every episode with a little bit of help from other people. There are other people credited as well, but he writes and, and contributes to writing every episode. And I really love because people will really freeze frame these shots and zoom in because they feel like they're going to get some information out of these things. So I really found that interesting that he puts that text in there. <laughs> when you zoom in. <laughs> I think it's interesting that they, they mentioned why it was called crocodile. Cause I, I guess I was thinking it was like crocodile tears for mm-hmm. some reason. 
but that's pretty cool. Yep, it is pretty cool. So that's it for the news this week. Just some interesting um, articles and a little bit of trivia. So we're going to move to one of my most favorite parts, and that is listener feedback. So the first one that we have is from Paik Allen. He says, very dark episode, just made me uncomfortable, but in a good way. Only Black Mirror can get away with that. She was just a bad person throughout. You feel a little sympathy for her at the very open, but it goes away fast. Only complaint is that I could have seen her face her judgment. Who kills a blind baby? Guinea pig is the MVP. Mm, I agree completely. Mm -hmm. I think Black Mirror does a great job with like, you feel like you're like, okay, well, I feel sympathy for this person. Okay. Well, I feel sympathy for this person. And you just kind of bounce back and forth so much. Yep. Definitely. So Elizabeth Naklavich, uh, at the time of the accident, she had nothing to lose, but her driver friend did have things to lose. Moral ambience, understandable at the time of accidents, uh, can find some sympathy for her. Everything to lose when her friend decided to fess up and took uncomfortable actions to cover it up. Did she change or if she was the driver and had things to lose, would she had been as cold-blooded? You know, we kind of mentioned that earlier on, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it seems like she didn't understand the technology and it led to her ultimate doom. One thing led to another, leading back to her rather than away from her as eliminating witnesses should accomplish. Eliminating all the witnesses but the machine. Location was stunning. It was Iceland. Yeah, that was a stunning location. I was wondering about that as I was watching it because, number one, I realized I wouldn't want to live there because I feel like right now, if you look out my window, I could be in Iceland. <laughs> Yeah, we're in the same boat. Yeah. I got up this morning, it was negative four. Like, I didn't even know my thermometer could go to the negatives, but it did. I did not like it. It should not be allowed to go into the negatives. That's wrong. So, number one, while the scenery, that is something that I could appreciate. I didn't mention it in my top five or in my notes, but it was such beautiful scenery and imagery. As, as much as what I wouldn't want to live there, it was beautiful with the mountains and the snow and you know ice-covered mountains and such. It was beautiful and I think very interesting, an interesting location. I just realized, nah, because then I looked up the climate, what the normal climate is throughout the year and their summers and stuff. And I think in the summers it gets like, it can get up to in the seventies, which Ooh. I know, like, I guess would be acceptable if you can hit it right. But those are like the highs. It doesn't mean it's always going to get there. That's just what you know, it could hit up too, but, um, it was beautiful. Um, but I would not want to live 50 miles outside of town in Iceland as beautiful as what it was. Yeah. <clears throat> I feel like if, if you're, if your whole country's like, Oh, well, we've never seen a pool, but we know what snow's like. That's yes. probably not a country <laughs> I want to live in. Right. It just, you know what? I just don't like the cold. I'm going to have to move, uh, somewhere where it's warm. Um, if anybody wants to come pick me up on the way, uh, <laughs> let me know, hit me up. Um, next one is from Laura Willie Swink. She says, wow, shaken. This one was dark. First off, the cold, sparse, but hauntingly beautiful cinematography reminded me of The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I haven't mm. seen that one yet. <clears throat> oh, that's a good flick. Was good it? books, too. Yeah, good. really good books. 
Good job, Laura. Um, she says, I'm wondering where this episode was shot. It looks like Iceland. Dang, Laura, <laughs> good job. <laughs> um, but whatever it was, it was gorgeous. I did not expect Mia to slide down the slippery slope she was on, and she went way farther than I ever expected her character to go. The only thing I had a bit of an issue with was when the recall team used the guinea pig to pull evidence from. That felt like a bit of a corny resolution for such a deeply twisted episode. I actually thought they were going to use the recallers on the murder victims to pull the memories Ooh. slash evidence. Oh, that's good. <clears throat> Uh, that seems to go along better with the morbid and dark theme of this episode. Very good, Laura. I'd That'd be interesting. Like you have so much time before the, the memories are away, get wiped away by death or something like that. That'd be kind of a cool little twist. Yeah. Cause isn't there something, and this just could be something that I'm recalling that's completely false and TV's not real and I get it, but is there anything <laughs> about um, like how your neurons are still like firing after you die? I- think so because i think that's why people that's one of the reasons people say like you see the light when you're dying is because it's actually neurons firing but then you come back right um and then like i I mean i've heard that and then like this is this this if this is too gross for anyone or too morbid then i am sorry in advance but if you're watching black mirror you're probably already there Mm. along with the rest of us but like when bodies and not that I've seen a body, but when they talk about bodies still kind of moving, like when they're in the morgue or something and they act like, oh, it's no big deal. They're just, oh, you know, heard that before. Yeah. arms moving or an arm twitching or something. It's like those n- neurons are still kind of firing. Um, I, I guess thought I heard in like a movie or something. It's like, oh, yeah, I had one actually just get off and start walking out. I had to stop him and <laughs> tie him back down to the chair. That's like a Tales from the Dark Side episode. Oh, my God. <laughs> I, do, I could never do that. I would shit myself and be like, nope, done. <laughs> Done. Nope. No. I think if if it, if it was possible to die a fright, that would be mm. me. If I'm working the night shift in a morgue and a body just like sits up or starts like twitching or moving or something. Nope. I'm done. I'm just dead. Um. Oh my gosh. But yeah, that's that's. I don't feel too far outside of the scope. I mean, it's why I think that would make sense. That yeah, they could snap one of them things on on someone that just died and see the actual face of the person that murdered them. Interesting. Thanks, Laura. All right. So Steve Brown, wow. Dark and disturbing. Steve Brown, wow. Dark and disturbing descent of one person into damnation. Alteration aside, this was a great episode. Andrea Risenborough played it well. She did. She played that that decline really well. Still can't get over the hair, though. That threw me off. I'm not going to lie. I watched it, and I'm like, why are we watching these people now? Like, who are these people? <laughs> like, oh, she just got a haircut. You just couldn't move past the hair, could you? you know, yeah, the- I have to tell my wife. I'm like, you can't cut your hair that crazy because I won't understand. I won't know it's you. I'll, I'll be like, where's my wife, and what'd you do with her? <laughs> that pixie cut, it, it doesn't work for everyone. Um I think she was able to pull it off. I did agree that she did look different. I didn't quite make that connection at first that she was the same character from the car when they hit the biker guy to that's who she was. Uh, the next time that we saw her, it did take me a moment because I feel like with the the hat and the hair, it threw me off a little bit. So it didn't bother me, but it did take me a minute to make that. Oh, that's the same person. Okay. <clears throat> So, yeah, I get it. Um, The next bit of feedback that we have came from Twitter. So this is from at Rob Phelps 5. He says, Crocodile was great. Two things I was left with. One, I almost thought Shazia was going to get away. And two, cars never start in dangerous situations. (laughs) 
You are so right, Rob. Thanks for that. Like, uh, was it possums that play dead? So when a car is like, oh my God, we're in trouble, it just dies. I mean, her car was working just fine before that. So. Mm. All right. Well, we got a couple emails. So hi, Rima and Sean. I really love Black Mirror and they kicked off the season spectacularly with the USS Callister episode. Then with a pretty good follow-up to Archangel, but I just had to write to say that the third episode missed the mark by a mile. Uh, so the underlying concept definitely fits well in the Black Mirror milieu. However, the ex- execution of the story just left me wanting something more clever and suspenseful that I could actually believe. I get it. Me as a woman of conviction with a family and everything to lose, but the choice she makes are so ludicrous and unbelievable that her dark path just becomes absurd. Certainly, this is by design to make the audience uncomfortable watching her actions as their consequences spiral her further and further into darkness, which in itself is fine. Black Mirror has successfully done this plenty of times. However, not one of these actions was actually believable to the point where you'd say, yeah, I could see myself doing that. To lay a little praise on the episode, the Icelandic landscape and cinematography was beautiful, and Andrea Reiserberg's performance as Mia was intense. I also appreciated the dedication of the insurance woman and look forward to each new insight and the trail of memory she followed, but it just was enough to offset where the story failed. And killing the baby just felt like shocking us for the shock's sake. And, oh, by the way, the baby was blind. Booyah! But the guinea pig wasn't. Double booyah! <laughs> <laughs> I hope the remaining episodes can bring the clever back to Black Mirror. Keep up the good post- podcasting, Lloyd. Very good thoughts, oh, Lloyd. Yeah, I, I kind of felt that same way with this episode. I felt I felt like after I watched it, I just wasn't satisfied like I felt with other Black Mirror episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Um, while I didn't think it was as bad as – which there's so many good Black Mirror episodes. There's a couple little that, uh, you know, they're kind of me um, or aren't as awesome, but a lot of them are pretty great. This one, you know, just left me, I just wasn't sure about it. I just have, I, I wasn't completely satisfied with it. I'm a little bit just up in arms about, you know, killing a baby. That's just a lot for me. Um, I can go to some dark, dark places. That's why I don't need anybody poking around in my brain. Uh, because... <laughs> Because I can go to a dark place and have been in dark places, but I just, that's, that's just too much. Um, Next email. um, Hello, Rima and Sean. Just watched the third episode, Crocodile. Wanted to raise several questions slash issues for your listeners. Number one, Mia's boyfriend, Rob, was responsible for the hit and run. It was not her fault. Why did she want Rob to remain silent years later? At worst, she would be an accessory to manslaughter. At best, Rob was not going to mention her name. With the mind recall process, there is no he said, she said. She would have been absolved. So why not let him tell the grieving widow? Number two, when the insurance woman asked Mia if she recalled an incident involving a pizza delivery, why not just say no? By admitting yes, she was now obligated by law to wear the recall unit, if I got it right. By stating no, she would have uh, dismissed the insurance woman and just been labeled uncooperative, uh, but been able to keep her secrets. Three, I found it hard to suspend my belief that Mia turned into such a cold-hearted killer. An architect mother doing this? She killed a whole family and calmly went to her kids recital right after her character turned unrealistic to me at this point. What about you? Number four, the child was blind. He should not have appeared to be looking at Mia. Mia was in stealth mode after hearing the child cooing. She should have realized the child could not see and leave him alone. My thoughts. What do you think? Darnell. 
So I don't know. Do you want to tackle some of those, Sean? Yeah, I think uh, so. Kind of like with the first one. So I think uh, at that point, like we kind of talked earlier, like she had something to lose at the point where Rob comes back. So mm-hmm. she kind of went through this thing. She probably didn't really want to, but she just kind of did. So, but now it's like, oh, I've it's it's too far. Like it's too far down the road that we can't turn back now. You know, it's like when you're driving and you like you take a left. You're like, well, I don't think this is right. But you get so far, you're like, okay, well, we're committed now. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably what she felt at that point. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I kind of see because yeah, he might have said that I'm not going to mention your name. I'm this is I'm taking responsibility. I'm only going to just you know tell my side of things. But if if it had been traced back to them, if they were able to trace whatever letter he was going to write. Um, wouldn't they have used this recall process on him and his memories of that accident? If they're asking him questions about it, how can he not keep Mia out of it? I mean, you yeah, saw that Mia even, tried to suppress it and she couldn't. How can he suppress it? Even if he tried not to involve her it, and even if he doesn't say her name, they're able to use a facial recognition software to identify her. Yeah, it would definitely lead back because it's one of those things where like one person can keep a secret, two can't. Absolutely. So even if they didn't use that, somehow I'm sure it would leak through that she was there too. No half measures. No half mm. measures. <laughs> so, <laughs> so what about number two that they well, mentioned? Yeah, so by her basically not saying no, I think it's one of those situations too where you're already in this lie. And so like, okay, why well, I can't dig myself deeper into this. So you start trying to tell the truth to avoid getting caught in a lie. Cause I don't know if she knew exactly why she was there. Right. You know, at this point she might be like, shit, like somebody's on my trail. Like this is a cop kind of thing or some kind of other investigator. And it's like, well, did you see a pizza delivery? It's like, oh, that's a, that's a curveball. I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, I did. Wait, no, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Why? Why does, why does that matter? I didn't kill anybody. Leave me alone. Right. I think I think you get to that point that if you feel like you have something to hide, that if you feel like you you tell a partial truth, that you can get away with the lie. Yeah. Instead of just outright lying, because clearly Shazia knew she was there. She was able to to pinpoint her even out of this fuzzy uh, picture or image of her. Was able to recognize her and knew that she saw something. So she. She she knew she was already there and probably not going to be able to say no. I don't, I don't, I wasn't watching when clearly she's looking down into the street as this accident is occurring when when the, this guy is getting hit. Um, so I think that she felt well if I at least come come forth with partial truth, it's better than concealing the complete lie and then um, getting the cops involved. So so what do you think about? you know, number three, where she was able to turn into such a cold hearted killer and that she was able to go from this being this architect mom to well, doing what she, she did. I think she became a, a cold hearted killer. Like, I think she, like, she was doing this out of what she felt was necessity. She wasn't doing this out of, like, an enjoyment. Mm-hmm. I think, you know, each person that she did it, it might have got easier. <clears throat> but it's still one of those things that she had trouble doing. She, like, she was doing it for her family or doing it for reasons she thought were just, even though they weren't. And I think that's why she got away with doing those things. And, you know, you saw she was not calm at her her kids' recital. She seemed shaken. She seemed a little bit more calm when Rob was in her backseat. But even then, like, she on if you were just looking at her, you knew something was wrong. Yeah. I Yeah, I don't – I wouldn't 
wouldn't place her up there with like serial killer mode. She clearly struggled with those decisions, even though she was making really bad decisions, bad choices, and something in her was able to carry this out. Um, I, I, I think that's something that we kind of talked about earlier as far as when you're presented with a situation, you think you're going to act one way and then you clearly do something else and you probably don't even recognize yourself after having made that choice um, or that decision and, and how you got to be there. You don't even know what led you to that point. Um, so I don't think she was a cold-hearted killer, a complete psychopath. I think she struggled with it. You could see how clearly it was eating away at her. It totally chipped away at her. Uh, not that it was okay that what she did, but you could see it ate, ate away at her. And then what do you think about the fourth um, thing that they brought up as far as the child was blind? He should not have appeared to Mia. Mia was in stealth mode after hearing the child cooing. Do you think she should have realized that the the child couldn't see him? I mean, Uh, even though the child was a child, I feel like that's what I've been told. I don't know anyone personally with any um, certain disabilities like that as far as being blind, but like what you hear about anyway is that they're able to use their other senses to kind of make up for that one that's lacking and they can really use that sense of hearing. So even though he's a baby, don't you think he's learned to pick up, you know, the floors shifting and hearing a sound outside of his room and he can, even though he can't, actually see he's looking that way like thinking that one of his parents is coming towards his room or something yeah i think he'd still be kind of looking at her in her direction maybe not looking right at her but you know even as a kid like if the kid's not looking right at you you might be like oh well it's it doesn't reckon he doesn't recognize me so of course he's not gonna look right at me but Mm -hmm. dark room you know kind of blinded by what she just did to the the dad you know probably even like more freaked out that there's a kid now it's like well what the hell do I do now? Yeah. Like, I can't let this kid stay here. You know, I got to see this thing all the way through that she's probably b- blinded by a lot of those bad decisions that she probably didn't even notice. Yeah. And that's really just, I mean, and I'm not saying it's just easy to kill someone like she's done, you know, where she's uh, killed Shazia, she's killed her husband. And now it's just, oh, well, you know, I've already done that. I can kill a baby now too. Um, that's just really... That's just beyond <laughs> that to me is just like they were saying there at the end it's the cops when the cops found, you know, their bodies in the end and they were like, who can kill a baby? I mean, mm-hmm. seriously, um, I agree. Great emails. Great thoughts. We do have a voicemail from Onwin, one of our lovely friends. Hi, Rima and Sean. It's Anwen here from New Zealand. I just wanted to give you some feedback about the last episode of Black Mirror Archangel and your awesome podcast that you did on it. Uh, First of all, I hope you didn't get any challenging emails back. Um, You sounded like you were worried about that. And I just wanted to say I think you sound like really great parents to me, both of you. Um, You admit that you're not perfect, but you do your best at raising good humans. And I think that's really cool. Um, And I also agree with you that I think the best way to make sure your kids don't go off the deep end is to be open and honest with them. I think it's better to talk to them about the big stuff before they hear it from their friends. My aim is for me is that if I've um, fostered an open style of communication with my kids, then hopefully they'll come to me to talk about what they've heard outside the home as well, to an extent, of course, because there's some things that we probably shouldn't know as parents. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I also think this episode was really interesting because... um, 
really showed that that gap between the generations sometimes um, I think my generation might be making one of the hardest transitions. I grew up with no internet, no cell phones, and only the very most basic um, home computers. And my kids are growing up in a world with iPads and iPhones and YouTube and Snapchat. And they're really small now. They're only four and seven, but I think navigating this is going to be really hard. And to illustrate the difference, um, one time I told my son that we don't didn't have iPads when I was a kid, and he said, but mum, how did you download your apps? <laughs> <laughs> so this kind of shows you the difference that we're dealing with. And Rima, I also noticed, um, as you did, that there was less tech than in other episodes. And um, I wondered whether maybe it was um, still the same sort of world or universe as the other episodes, but perhaps because they lived in maybe a poorer area, they didn't have so much um, in their home and perhaps buying the Archangel mm-hmm. um, implant and the app was sort of the very the very most that, that she could stretch to in terms of um, that kind of thing. Um, one thing that I noticed about the mother, um, it didn't strike me so much when I watched the episode, but listening to the, to the birth scene that you played at the top of the podcast uh, made me think back to the start of the episode and I realised how much that Maria's first experience of parenthood was actually uh, learning about the fear of loss, the worry that you have for your child. That was her very first moment as soon as she became a mother. That was the first emotion she felt, and then that was just reinforced later when she lost her daughter in the park. Mm-hmm. And Sarah herself, um, I thought it was really interesting how she had no boundaries, and she wasn't taught how to deal with strong feelings at all, um, hence the cutting that she did, and then also the rage that she had at her mother towards the end. She she just didn't know how to deal with any strong feelings, whether it was fear or, or rage. Uh, she wasn't taught how to weigh up the options and make any choices, so she just did what she wanted without any regard for the consequences. So I thought it was really powerful and a really amazing episode. And I um, definitely enjoyed your coverage of it. Thanks so much, guys. Keep up the podcast. I'll be listening. Thanks. That was an awesome, awesome call. Like that was on Archangel, which, um, yeah, I think that was a good point with like the opening. We didn't talk about in our episode, but as I was going through to find clips, I was like, oh, crap. Like the opening of this is her really scared of losing her daughter mm-hmm. like at birth, which, you know, again, like parents, you know, as your kids get older and older, it's like, you, I don't know if maybe you stop worrying as much, but you always have that fear. And like, she right away had that, like, and, and one other thing I noticed, there was no like dad in the picture there too. So it was right. definitely her all on her own. She was definitely all on her own. That was a really good point. I think it's something that I probably recognized at the beginning. Like, wow, this is her first, or like on first watch uh, for me was like, that's her first experience. Uh, like Anwen says is her first experience with childhood is a sense of loss, thinking that something is wrong. Um, or could be wrong. And that's how it kind of kicks off for her. Um, and what should be, you know, a happy, joyous occasion, you know, you have that fear. And then of course, you know, we see how that kind of goes on throughout the episode. So great, uh, voicemail on when, thank you so much for taking the time uh, to, to, uh, record that for us and send it in. Um, as always your accent makes, my day and I must insist if you have an accent you cannot email or leave feedback (laughs) on Facebook or Twitter you have to if you have the capability to record yourself on your phone if you have an iPhone and a voice memo app um, I'm going to insist you record yourself and send us your feedback Um, I insist on it Um, please and thank you (laughs) because I get a kick out of accents if you haven't already noticed Um, thank you to everyone 
I just think it's crazy that like you know this the show that we do we have people like in New Zealand who are listening to us, which is super <sighs> awesome. I know it's amazing to think that we have people not just well number one people are listening to us at all uh, because <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just talking to myself in this microphone. So thank you everyone for not just listening but taking that extra step and sending us in your feedback because I love it. I love looking at it every week. I love reading it. I love hearing your thoughts, whether it's on our current episode that we're talking about, or if you want to email us about um, a past episode that you're just catching up to, or if you have some some thoughts about it that you want to share, uh, even if it's not on Black Mirror, if you've listened to us on Stranger Things and you're wanting to uh, leave some feedback, I love hearing about it. So, you know, I, I'm a fan of shows and I leave feedback for podcasts. So I, I get how thrilling that it is and that extra step that you take. So thank you everyone for taking the time, whether it's uh, Twitter, uh, we have Instagram now you can find us on Instagram, leave some comments. Um, I always look forward to it. So thank you everyone for taking that extra step. Uh, we do appreciate it. Yep. Thanks everybody. All right, so next week we'll be covering the fourth episode from season four of Black Mirror titled Hang the DJ. And we're super excited for you to look into the Black Mirror with us. And until then, you can follow us on Twitter at Strange TCast. You can like us on Facebook at www.facebook.com slash StrangerTCast. You can email us at StrangerThingsCastPod at gmail.com. And you can also find us on the TV Time app. And don't forget Instagram. Yes, <laughs> We're out there Instagram. too. <laughs> We're all over the internet. Yep. We're stranging up this internet. I, listen, people, I'm going to get in your face one way or another, okay? I'm not subtle. I'm going to get in your face. I'm going to be there whether you like it or not. and you can find strange indeed and a bunch of other great podcasts like game of microphones at podcastica.com go out and leave a review for strange indeed or any of the other great podcastica podcast on apple podcast and make sure to check out sean and his other podcast the language of bromance that comes out every sunday yeah all right well that's our show episode 20 crocodile Until next time, I'm Rima. And I'm Sean. And Lloyd Green is strange indeed. Ah, you don't like him? Oh, it's not that. So hard to get presents for you. No, I like him. He's fluffy. Is Ali? No, Ali's going to love him. It's just we've got a lot going on with Ali. I'll take him back. The pet shop guy was okay. No, 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 no. You're right. It'll be good for Ali. Codger stays. He's Codger the Lodger. Changing time. Uh, happy birthday. <laughs>